a prophecy from uh, the prophet Jeremiah. So to give you some context here, in Hebrews 8, um, this, this prophecy from the book of Jeremiah that the, the New Testament guy is quoting, Jeremiah is from hundreds of years before Jesus came. And he's prophesying, he's talking the whole context. He says, in the beginning of that section, he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel. So hundreds of years before Jesus, we have a prophet saying that there's going to be a new covenant coming. And he goes on for many verses describing the, the details of that covenant. And I'm going to highlight one specific part of, of, of what that covenant will look like, what, what's a part of that covenant. Here's what he says, And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest. So this is God speaking through a prophet. And he's saying that there's going to be a new covenant coming. And in that new covenant, you're not going to need to talk to your neighbor or even talk to your brother saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest. Sometimes you've got to slow down when you're reading the Bible and just take, take stuff personally, you know. And I, I was reflecting on this, and this is, the more you dwell on this, this is a mind-blowing concept. The, the, the God, so we're talking about Almighty God, the guy who made Neptune and Saturn and Earth and me and you. The, the, the creator of the universe is going to establish a covenant where we can know him. And, and not even just through necessarily a priest or through other people, but each of them that will know me from the least to the greatest. That's something to think about, isn't it? If we're talking about, if, if that's Christianity, I mean, it is so easy to, to sometimes get a different impression of what it means to be a Christian when you're just, when you're just looking around at what kind of happens in our culture. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of churches per capita in our culture. There's a lot of people that would change their Facebook religious status to Christian, right? It's a very high percentage in our culture. But this was different to me, thinking about this verse, that you're telling me that God in this covenant that was established in Jesus wants to know me in such a way that I don't actually need to, to, to go to other people, but there's a personal knowing of him. And it's for the least to the greatest. You know, when, John's, when John, uh, in the book of John, Jesus is teaching to abide in him, I had heard that before, and I, I, like I said, I used to read it as remain in him. But I used to think, okay, for anybody that can be so close to Jesus, so close to God, that it's like they're connected to him all day, I used to think that that's got to be for like Billy Graham or Mother Teresa, right? Like if you're so close to God that you're just, you're, you're, you're stuck with him all day, you know? That's got to be for like the elite, the people that are 85 and above that have read the Bible for 70 years daily. You know what I'm saying? Like that's who that's for. Like just I'm going to skip right past that because that's definitely not me, right? But this verse stops me because it says, they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. Okay, so if you're, if you're with me here and we're trying to take these things personal, take this promise personal. This is what the Bible's telling us. This covenant in Jesus gives us access to. God wants to know you personally. Wouldn't that sound weird if you were talking to somebody in your week like, yeah, I know God. He's my dad. You know, I, I know him. That sounds funny, right? But that's, that's exactly what he's calling us to is, is we would know him so closely that we could remain in him all day. 
and it's for the least of them to the greatest. We have to take that personally. And like I'm saying, if that's all you get from this morning is to just chew on that, that's, that's a great message. You can just stop there because that, that's something worth chewing on. Think about, is, is that what my relationship with God looks like? Is that what I've been taught Christianity is, is knowing God in a personal way, right? It's exciting to me. It's something so much more vibrant than, than ticking a box and trying to do my best and hopefully I get into heaven. It's so much more light. Are you kidding? The God of the like, Graham Cook talks about how the the, the Christian gospel, the the Christian message, seems too good to be true. And and I would, I I get it. You're telling me God Almighty God wants to know me, and be so close to me that He's telling me to remain in Him all day. Whoa. And you're telling me, okay, so let's get back to the covenant, because Jeremiah is prophesying about a covenant, right? He's saying in this new covenant they all shall know me. That covenant is the free gift of God by receiving a gift in Jesus. Jesus actually wants to come to you, jump in front, take the bullet for the sin that you deserve. He's trying to, he, he wants to take the punishment and give you a new life. And it's that new life he gives you where you'll know God intimately and personally. It's the free gift of God if you're willing to receive it. You trade away something you were never meant to be. You're never meant to live life for yourself. And you get to live life back connected to God. This whole abiding language is, is used most in John 15 where it describes Jesus being the true vine and we are like branches that remain in him. Wow. <laughs> that's the new life. That's, that's what's available to you in, in, in Jesus. Listen, my goal for today is for you to think on this. Okay, does my relationship with God look like this? Because this is what God's been doing to me in these verses. I'm kind of journeying with you here. And do I believe that's possible? It says for the least of them to the greatest. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to teach you from John chapter 14. I'm not used to using slides. You've got to bear with me a bit. So John 14, let's go to, if you want to turn there, feel free. I'm going to start in verse 15. I do have it on the screen today. This, this is new for me. Usually I'm so all over the map, I'm too afraid to use slides. Um, okay, let's take a look. So, to give you some context before I start reading what Jesus is saying in John 14, Jesus was a dude here on earth, and he was, he was God embodying a man, and he, he walked around and had disciples, and he had followers. So at, in, in this context, what we're reading right here, he's teaching his followers what it will be like to have a relationship with him after he dies and, and raises again from the dead. Because it's not going to be the same as, as the person, Jesus, they've been following. But he's still saying, he, you know, he promises us in the book of Matthew, he'll never leave us or forsake us. We're still going to have a relationship with Jesus, but he's just not going to be walking around as a dude like he was 2,000 years ago, right? So he's preparing his followers for that in this passage. That's what we're going to read about. So for us, if we're, if we're wondering what does it look like for us to have a relationship with God today, how do I relate to him? How do I abide in him? This is a great passage. So let's go ahead. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I'll ask a father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. I, I want to slow down here. I'm going to go through a lot of verses, but it's really important. Like I said, I'm going to keep coming back to this. Read scripture and, and reflect on it personally. We're saying that followers of Christ will be given a helper to be with you. How long? A long time? Forever. Forever. Whoa. That's worth dwelling on. The spirit of truth in us forever. These are big claims. 
You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He's telling his followers that after Jesus is raised again from the dead, they'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. That hadn't happened yet, but let's keep going. So Jesus is telling them, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Let's slow down again. So Jesus is saying, I'm not going to be with you the same way that I have been. I'm not going to be like a person on earth that you're following. But I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He's going to father us. Take this personal. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. You're going to have a relationship with him where he's not going to leave you as an orphan. He'll be there. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, so it's not Jesus walking around as a dude, but you will see me. He's not going to be out of sight. You will be able to see him. Because I live, you also will live. We have new life in Christ. Has anybody ever heard that phrase before? You have a new life in Christ? If you think about it, it's, it's, it's actually quite literal. It's not just a helpful metaphor. Jesus didn't say, here's an example, here's, here's a metaphor of what it's like. He's saying, because I live, you also will live. Have you guys ever seen this Francis Chan illustration where he talks about eternity versus now? And he's got this really long rope. And he's like, okay, let's call our life, uh, you know, like 100 years. And he, and he kind of colors like a, a few inches of the rope so that the crowd can see it. And then he runs this rope for, for like a really far distance. And he's saying, do you want to just focus on the 100 years or if eternal life is real? He illustrates how big that is. Right? So if we're saying this covenant that, that, that we receive in Christ, Jesus said that, that no one can come to the Father except through me. This is, this, he, you have to be born again to enter the kingdom of God is how he phrased it. He's saying if you, want to rec- if you want to receive eternal life, if you want to focus on that big long rope and not just on this existence here, if Jesus is to be believed, we need to be born again. We receive that gift. That's because he lives, we also will live. He's saying that life is, is much bigger than that little section, right? Check this out. In that day, so after he's resurrected, we're relating to a risen Christ. Now, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So we're going to know that we're connected to him. He's not giving us a lot of specifics on how, but he's saying, I'm not going to leave you there as orphans. You'll see me. You'll live because I'm alive. And you'll know that you're connected to me. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus will manifest himself to us. What does manifest mean? It's, it's, to, it's to give an example of, it's to materialize, it's to show who he is to us. Again, take it personal. So Judas, if you're feeling confused right now, luckily so is Judas. Judas says, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? What are you talking about? Great question, Judas. Thank you. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Okay. May 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 still sound a little confusing, but Jesus is saying that him and God will come and will dwell in us. It's a spiritual connection. So when 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 you're born again and you're a new creation, you have life in Christ. First Corinthians calls us the temple. We're filled with his spirit. So we're filled with God and Jesus. He dwells in us. 
a lot of this sounds kind of ambiguous and unspecific, and sometimes you can almost come away feeling like, just tell me what to do. Like, how am I supposed to do this? And there's, there's a reason that it's, that it's actually a little ambiguous, if you want to think of it that way. J- Judas is like, how are you going to manifest yourself to us? Jesus says, I'm going to make my home in you. And, the, and let's get back to that covenant prophecy. We're all going to know him from the least to the greatest. The point here is that we're going to know him, and he's going to dwell, us, dwell in us and guide us. It's not just about um, seeing him just in the word. He's, he's with you. He lives inside you, and, and he guides you, right? Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I love that. I, I, I can't make this up. I mean, it sounds like a cheat code, okay? The Spirit, the spirit of truth himself is going to live inside you. How many things is he going to teach us? Most things? All things. That's a cheat code. Come on. He's going to teach us everything. We're going to have a spirit in us that will guide us into all truth is another verse. He will teach us all things. And if you're forgetful, I have good news. He'll bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So God speaks to us even by reminding us in our minds. This is why Jesus, I think, is somewhat unspecific. It's because we're taught by, we're we're led by the spirit in us. He brings to remembrance all that he said to us. And we, we have to get to know his voice. How can you abide in somebody and, and, and remain in somebody and know them personally without communicating in two-way communication? A big part of, of, of this for us to unlock it is, is to change prayer from, from a petition one way to two-way communication. And a lot of us are further on that journey than we realize if you pray at all. But, but what you, do you hear the gentleness in Jesus' voice here? Where did I go? I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. If you're afraid about this, a lot of us who've come from a more conservative background, if you're a Christian, I'm a good Wesleyan boy. Shout out to my Wesleyan parents sitting over there. Listen, some of us are more comfortable just being led by God in just his word. It's like I can see it. I understand it. I just got to obey. Just tell me what I need to do and I'm going to do that. Okay? But what what Jesus is trying to be very gentle about us understanding is that to to abide in him, the relationship that he wants to have with us is personal and knowing him, and it's going to be led by him in us too. Him bringing things to our mind and him just teaching us directly through the Holy Spirit. If that gives you the heebie-jeebies, like I said, some of us from a more conservative background, maybe you're on page with me there, but he's, he's, he's giving us a lot of promises to stand on. I'll not, I'll come to you. You'll see me. You'll live. You'll know that you're connected to me. I'll manifest myself to you. How about this? You'll have a helper that will lead you into all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. Right? We got one sign up. Any other? Two. Selling more. Man. Right? Okay, do you see what I'm saying about this idea that this can be too good to be true and a little bit mind-boggling? This isn't religion. This isn't, this isn't like, there's no other religion in the world that, can, that would claim that this is the free gift of God. That you, could, that you could, Jesus in John 17, get this, Jesus in John 17 prays that we would be connected to God. We would be one with God even as he was. What? Like, as, as connected, as close as Jesus was with God the Father, so he wants us to be. 
Wow. All right. A few weeks ago, I preached uh, at the end of November, and, and Linda Marner sent me a little section of a book by a guy named Joshua Nickel. And uh, it's, it's a commentary on Andrew Murray's book called Abiding in Christ. And Joshua Nichols' book, I forget the title, but I'll show you in a sec, is, is, a, is a short read. I didn't read the whole thing, but Linda sent me this little section that, she, that just stood out to her. And I had prepared my whole sermon before I remembered that this was sitting in my email, but it was about abiding in Christ. And at the time, I hadn't planned on teaching that, but he had a, I, I reread it after I remembered that. And I want to share a quote with you from that book, because I want you guys to believe that this really is for the least to the greatest, that abiding in Christ, being con- that connected to him is exactly why he died and came. And it's not just for Billy Graham and Mother Teresa. Okay, check this out. He opens this quote with a, with a Bible verse from John 8, 31 and 32. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Here's what he says in his book, Find Your Place of Rest in Jesus. We don't need to understand everything about abiding before we can begin to abide. Abiding comes first and understanding follows. Did you guys catch that? Let's go back to the verse. If you abide in my word, okay, so if we're abiding in his word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We don't need to understand everything about abiding before you can start doing it. Abiding comes first. Understanding follows. What's the point here? If you feel like you're not Billy Graham, you're not close enough to God, you're not good enough, you can't do it, he's saying whatever that conviction is inside you, whatever the Holy Spirit would impress upon you this today, what needs to change? What does it look like for you to get closer to God, so close that you would know him personally, so close that you would abide in him every day? That may look different for each of us, but there's gonna, he's not going to leave you without something for you to walk in. There's going to be a conviction. It, it, for you, it could be really changing your prayer life to be two-way, taking time in silence to listen to him. I don't know, but he's saying, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'll father you and show you. You can begin to do this before you understand how it all works. Follow what you feel he's leading you to do next. Seek his kingdom first. Get real about it. I heard a, sir, I'm going to continue this quote. I'm getting excited, but I heard a sermon this week by Francis Chan. Shout out to Francis Chan. I've quoted him twice here. He, he was talking on prayer and he said, his, his analogy was great. He said, if I was a reputable, so I'm going I'm to borrow his analogy. If I was a reputable, really rich person, like you guys knew for sure I had a ton of cash, okay? And I said that after this sermon, you meet me in the lobby and I'm going to give you $100,000, everybody here. I would, he said, I wouldn't need to spend the next 40 minutes convincing you to go out there to receive that $100,000. Do you see the implication he's making? So prayer, having audience and talking with the God of the universe, if, if, that, if that was what we really believed was at stake, we wouldn't need another 40 minutes of like, okay, this week try and pray for two minutes and 30 seconds, and then next week try and pray for two minutes and 45 seconds, and please, just God, please take this $100,000. It's like, What he's calling us to, and I I think it applies to this here too, is we've got to just, we might not be seeing it. It, it, if, If this is Christianity, if God wants to know you personally and he wants to be so close that you would have two-way communication with him, it... It's good to put some disciplines into practice if that's how you want to do it, but this, you've, you, sometimes you just got to get real with yourself, and this may not be like, okay, I'm just going to pray for 15 more seconds this week. You know what I mean by that? 
Like, get real. If, this is, if that's what's really at stake, get real with yourself. You know, I, I, I'm receiving that challenge myself too. It's like, if that's what's at stake, we don't, you guys get the point. Okay. Let's get back to Joshua Nickel, okay? I love this. This, is, this makes me feel like I can do it, and that's why I wanted to share it. We don't need to understand everything about abiding before we can begin to abide. Abiding comes first, and understanding follows. We abide to understand. If you believe in Jesus, abide in him. Rest in him. Everything else will follow. Understanding, knowledge, freedom, everything you need. It will follow and increase. Abiding in his word is the foundation. It puts us in position to be taught by the anointing. Andrew Murray called it a habit of mind and life, which precedes the understanding of truth, the habit of, of abiding in his word, the habit of, of learning and getting to know Jesus in his word. I love that phrase. It's a habit of mind and life, which precedes the understanding. We obey more than we understand, and obedience leads us to greater understanding. We follow what we know in part, and we come to see it more clearly. Our intellect is not the gatekeeper. Behavior comes first. Here's what I want to share with you today. I've already, paid, I've already made the challenge. I just want to repeat this. It's just whatever this would mean for you. I, want, I don't want to water down the gospel and what the Bible is saying Christianity is. If, 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 if we need to just be like, okay, I, I don't know that I know God personally. Maybe you've never been taught that before. Whatever the next step will be, God will make it known to you. Abiding in his word and getting to know him in the word is, is a foundational, key, non-negotiable part of this. Seek him in his word. Don't just, that was my heart behind the whole two minute and 30 second example was um, venture to, to, to know him. Venture to see if what this is saying is true, right? Make it about knowing somebody personally. The, good, the, the best news I can share with you um, Wow, it, I mean, there's a lot of good news I could share with you, but Jesus said, if you ask, you'll receive. That's really cool. Like I, cheat codes, sounds too good to be true. You guys are hearing me, right? If you ask, you'll receive. If you have a sense, man, I'd, that's not the Christianity I've known. That's not the way that I relate and talk to God, but I want something to change. It's as simple as, as, as asking, it's as simple as we can begin to abide now and just take whatever that step looks like for you in the immediate of, God, I want to take another step and, and I, I want to get to know you. I want to abide in you. Oh, yeah, I just remembered something. Okay, get this. Here we go. John 15, I lost my bookmark. This is a really important part of this. This isn't, <laughs> to sum up my next point, it's not just about us. Check this out. You did not choose me, excuse me, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. What does it mean that it's, it, he says earlier in John 15 that it's, that it's those who abide in him that bear much fruit. Okay, so if, as, we're, as we're learning to know God and relate to him in this way, where all of a sudden it's, it's, it's a personal knowing and relationship, you start to bear fruit. It's, it's those who abide in him that bear fruit. And he chose us that we should go and bear fruit and that our fruit should abide. And here's the thing that struck me about this. 
Bearing fruit, what does that mean literally, okay? I think bearing fruit is, is, is looking more like Jesus. You're, the, the fruit that's produced in your life is, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's the righteous character of Jesus being produced in your life. So as you relate and know God this way, fruit will come. Here's, here's the thing, guys. We, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that we're ambassadors for Christ. I can't think of any better way to represent Jesus than to just have a whole bunch of fruit hanging off me that people can come pick. People need love and people need patience. They can come to you for real. I, I love this. Like, there's another analogy that Jesus gives. He says that when your eye is one, your whole body will be bright. He's saying that when your perspective is clear, you shine brightly. When you're full of fruit or when you're shining brightly, you're displaying who Jesus is to the world. God says that when he is lifted up, he draws all men unto himself. When you're bearing fruit, when you're shining bright, other people see God. We're ambassadors. We just get to represent the message. You get to know God personally every day. The spirit of truth is in you forever. It's said forever. And you get to produce this fruit in your life that's going to lift God up and draw more people home to eternal life to answer their question of what, what there's got to be more to this. We get to bear fruit and, and it glorifies God. It lifts him up. It exalts him in our life. And he chose us for this purpose. It's important to hear that language, that this is a part of why we bear fruit is, to, is so that our fruit would abide, that our fruit would continue into the earth. And it's how we carry out our, our, our role as ambassadors for him. All right, I think I'm good. Um, let's pray. Yeah, I was, I'm motoring. Sorry, I talk. Oh, my gosh. Is that clock right? Have I only been talking for 10 minutes? We could use this time for something else. Wow. Okay, it was supposed to be a short sermon, though. It's like the kids are hanging out. and Listen, um... If you ask, you'll receive. This isn't a condemning. You don't need to feel guilty if this isn't the reality in your life. The end, he's, just, I'm just, he's just bringing greater clarity to what he's inviting us into as a part of the free gift of the new life we have in Christ. He wants to make this our reality. He wants to get to know you. Leave behind anything that would, that would keep you from seeking his kingdom first. If you want to sign up for that, let's just take a moment in prayer. If you want to just respond and just make this personal the same way that I'm saying. Make reading these scriptures personal. Reflect on it personally. Let's pray and get personal with God in this time, okay? Whatever you need to do. If you want to get on your knees or sprawl out starfish, you just do you, but get personal with God, okay? God, sometimes we need to slow down enough to just remember and see who it is we're talking to when we pray. That whole thing of like, if, if we believed, if we saw that prayer was an invitation to speak to the God of the universe, it would change the way we approach prayer in our life. The same way that we approach this invitation in our life, that you want to be so near to us that we would abide in you. And that this is the free gift of God available to us in Jesus. It sounds too good to be true. But God, we're taking a second to just remember that, that we just woke up one day. We're a creation standing on something you made. We weren't entitled to this, but this is the truth of what you've said to us in Jesus and in your word. <laughs> we just want to approach you right now, God, and we want to, we want to abide in you. 
We want to take the first step, the next step, and believe that this can be a reality in our life, that we would know you personally, the creator of all. Just take a moment and talk to him as you need to. God, may everybody who, who knows you or believe that this is something for the least to the greatest, that this is a part of the, the covenant that you've made with us in Jesus. This is a part of the new life, is knowing you, is abiding in you every single day, being that close, that it's based on your grace and strength that we reign in this life. May every heart in here genuinely seeking you just come away with the sense that they can do this. May you give everybody all that they need to just see this is what I need to do next. I want to seek you. I want to know you more. Thank you, God, that you've given us these promises that you'll manifest yourself to us, that you'll not leave us as orphans. You'll parent us, that we will see you and we'll know that we're connected to you. Thank you for the beauty of that kind of a relationship. Let us be released from fear and walk in freedom knowing who we are. Thank you so much. Let our whole life be an echo of thank you that we have been given the knowledge and the presence of God in us. Thank you that you make us your home. That doesn't really ever get old. Thank you, God. We love you. Pray that your kingdom would come. Bear fruit in our lives for the sake of this area, (laughs) for the sake of more people coming home to you, more people knowing you. Glorify yourself in our lives. Bear fruit Jesus, (laughs) thank you so much that you will do that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.